You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. I realized that it's okay to declutter our friendships and our relationships too. It's okay to let someone go and to release them or to have them release me and to still be able to hold on to the really amazing memories and the things that we created together and to still have joy spark from those things, but not have to feel bad about not taking those relationships forward anymore. You're listening to Flaunt Your Fire, the brand visibility podcast where we own our values as we amplify our influence. I am your host, India Jackson, and today I am recording on the stolen land of my brother's ancestors, the Piscataway people, which is known to many as Maryland, USA. You know, so often when we think about visibility, we think about brand deals, but visibility is so much more than branding and marketing. This episode is not about brand deals. It's about those that deal with us and are navigating our daily lives with us and the impact that they may have on our visibility and how we show up throughout the world, but also show up for ourselves. You know, so much came up for me as I took a pause from creating podcast episodes here at Flaunt Your Fire and allowed myself the space to be present and visible for my family. I began to ask myself so many things. I began to reevaluate how do my values show up here on the show? And also, you know, what is most important for me to convey here through the show? And one of the things that came up for me is that visibility is so much more than the marketing piece, but also we as humans behind brands are so much more than the brand itself. And I never want that to be lost here as you take in the content that we provide. You know, thinking back in my life, one of the most significant experiences I had was in 2014. I navigated a medical crisis. And as I think back on some of the most significant moments of my life that really shaped how I prioritize, what my values are, And the way that I live and love today, you know, I don't know if I would be the same person (laughs) had that crisis not happened, but also I don't know if I would have the same people around me and move through the world in the same ways. And so 
giving you a heads up that this episode, we are going to be talking about some challenging things. This is a heavy lifting episode. You know, I'm talking um, about medical crisis with someone who has experienced a cancer diagnosis. When I think back to 2014 and what shaped me, we're talking um, being in an emergency room and things like that. So if that's not something that you feel comfortable with diving into in this very moment, because maybe you have children in the room or something like that, feel free to pause this episode and come back to it at a later time. For those of you that are continuing on through with me, um, I it's not something I've really talked about publicly, so I'm going to acknowledge that this is like <laughs> not really a cleaned up version of a story. It's the messy middle, but it's the truth, um, is that that instance of 2014 of navigating what I thought was a really bad food poisoning from some takeout I got that night before and turned out to be an atopic miscarriage that took my life and I had to be bought back and get multiple blood transfusions left me in a place where I reevaluated life in itself and how precious it is and what is so important to me to make sure that I am carrying through in my day-to-day life. Who am I spending my time with? What kind of work am I putting out into the world? And also, when the time comes for my last day to be here, what legacy am I leaving behind? What impact am I leaving behind in this world? And so giving you that context of, you know, this is something that I experienced and I navigated that shaped who I am today in some of the most beautiful ways. As I was just randomly, you know, <laughs> digging into getting to know more about some of our community members and what they do and their lived experiences and what they're talking about through their blogs um, or on social media and in podcasts, I ran across one of our community members' content. And I had been exposed to the life-changing magic of tidying up before, um, but I had never navigated or witnessed someone talking about it when it came to people and relationships. And if you know me, you know that I have been digging into minimalism and various aspects of it and many different approaches for a long time and living a more like simple and intentional life is a big part of who I am. So Stumbling across uh, memjenkinson.com and the article that Mem had written about, you know, how to use the KonMari method on your friends really piqued my interest. And I found myself reading the whole thing through and being like, wow, you know, this is worthy of discussion. This is, um, well, number one, the the title alone, um, I did not know what was going to come from that. I was not expecting some of the things that I learned about Mim, someone who I'd been talking to and in community with um, from this article. And so that realization of there's always more to learn about someone that you don't know yet. And then also Mim's perspective on applying this KonMari method to your friends and how Mim got there and so much more. I just knew like this was bigger than me just talking to Mim. I needed to bring this here to the podcast. It was aligned with my value of connection to remember that a podcast is a platform for amplification 
And that amplification doesn't always have to be about business and what we sell. Sometimes it's just about connecting and remembering that there are real humans having real lived experiences behind these businesses. And so number one, I am so grateful to know the beautiful human that is Mem. And I can't wait for you to get to know Mem a little bit better in this episode as well. So who is Mem? (laughs) Mem Jenkinson is a British and Australian mother a digital product creator, an online business coach, and creator of the Paper Planner Club app. Mim is also the host of the Planner Podcast. And Mim also hosts Create Plus Co-Work Club, which is a planning and accountability club for online business owners who want to swap procrastination for profit month after month. And I'm just going to add that Mim is also a lovely, kind, and just beautiful spirit. So you're going to get a little bit of taste of that here as we dig into this episode. I'm also going to note that things are a little different here. So as you heard me mention in Mim's bio, Mim is British Australian. Mim is like 12 hours apart from me. This interview took place asynchronously. Um, This is a part of Accessibility, a part of diversity, is finding ways to still be able to amplify and be in conversation with and introduce you to people who literally are sleeping when I'm awake (laughs) and honoring their boundaries of needing their rest. So note that um, you may notice things are a little bit different in this episode, and it's because Um, Mim and I had the pleasure of utilizing an app that we use within our business called Video Ask. And we used Video Ask as a way to have me connect with Mim through voice and video, um, asking questions and having conversation and Mim being able to come back and to respond in a way that worked for Mim's schedule, that was convenient for Mim, where neither one of us had to navigate being in this uh, social engagement kind of space and what would have been probably, you know, midnight or five in the morning. This has been like a beautiful and interesting experiment of being able to make things more accessible and convenient. All right. Well, I know I'm talking with you about experiments and sometimes experiments can feel like a ride. So I ask you, as you take this ride of this episode with me to take a deep breath and to invite yourself into adapting the open and empathetic mindset that is so important here at Flaunt Your Fire as well as over at my community, Pause on the Play. Because I know that you may be so used to how to do this and visibility that, but sometimes the most valuable lessons that we can learn that carry with us for the rest of our life come from stories, come from experiences, and come from remembering that we are all humans (laughs) navigating this, this lived thing and figuring it out as we go along. And you can't always step by step Here's a tangible how-to life. All right, let's dig in. 
Mem, I would love to know what does flaunting your fire mean for you right now? Flaunting my fire to me means, and you know, at the grand age of 43, I feel like I'm finally becoming or even re-becoming who I am supposed to be. I'm becoming much more vocal with my opinions, with what I want, with what what I don't want what I will tolerate and what I won't. And it really does feel like I'm sinking more comfortably into my own skin in so many different ways. I used to be a confident kid and a confident teenager. And as I went through adulthood, that kind of waned a little bit every now and again. A few years ago, I went through a health diagnosis when I had breast cancer, and that really shook me to my core. But since that recovery and healing process, I think I've healed more than just physical parts of myself. And I'm now becoming much more who I always felt like I was as a child, someone who wasn't afraid to show who I really am deep down, even if that means repelling some people who it doesn't vibe with because I feel like I'm a magnet then for the people who I am a really good fit for. So I hope that that sums up what flaunting my fire means for me right now. Oh my gosh, ma'am. I can completely understand. It makes complete sense and relate. To really what you shared, um, I think it's such a beautiful thing to witness how we can be as children and as teens of having this inner confidence, this uh, flaunting of who we are. And sometimes we can begin to have some of that fall away as we become adults. So being able to hear you share that you're reconnecting with that. And you're finding your way back to that, but you're also kind of rebecoming who you were meant to be in the 40-something-year-old body of today with the new experiences, insights, and lessons learned that you've had along the way is such a beautiful thing to witness. And I'm so happy that this is where you're at in your life right now. One of the things that you mentioned is that you had this health crisis, this uh, breast cancer diagnosis that shook you to your core. And as someone who has also had some major health things come up um, and experiences come up, for me, they really began to cause me to reconsider my normal and the way that I viewed life. Um, relationships, so many other things and so many areas, Um, not just, you know, the business and things like that, but everything. (laughs) And I'm curious to know from you, if you feel comfortable sharing, how did this breast cancer diagnosis and experience begin to have you reconsider and reevaluate normals in your life? What questions did you begin to ask yourself or things did you begin to explore from this news that you received? You are so right when you use the word um, re-becoming, like it really does feel and it's felt ever since the the cancer diagnosis, like a re-becoming and rather than just um, complete change or a transformation, you know, it's who was I before? What do I want to keep hold of from the the old me what do I want to take into the future and it's been a really cathartic experience all up there are definitely things that have changed and that I've reconsidered and reprioritized 
relationships being one of them that I think you can probably relate to from your experience too. So while I was going through um, treatment, I read The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Maria Kondo. And and I've always been into this decluttering, organization, planning, all of those things. And I knew that this was a book that I wanted to read. And it was wonderful for decluttering my home and, and doing those things. And what I didn't realize is it was so it was such therapy. It's a beautiful read. It's it was such therapy to understand as well that it isn't just the physical things that we can declutter, but it's the everything in our life. So for me it was relationships. So after being diagnosed and sharing with the world <laughs> in every way, <laughs> literally in every way, um, I shared with everyone that I had been diagnosed with breast cancer and some friends disappeared. Um, some family members disappeared. For some friends and family members, not close family, but other family, um, it really, I, I started to see a different side to them. So I was either ghosted altogether or I was um, really just people who I thought would step up actually stepped away. And a lot of it, I understand that they didn't know what to do and what to say. So they didn't say anything at all, which is never the right answer. Um, or you realize really who your friends truly are. Uh, and in other respects, others that I thought were acquaintances all of a sudden stepped into being the most amazingly supportive people I could ever possibly imagine. But going back to the um, life-changing magic of tidying up, I realized that it's okay to declutter our friendships and our relationships too. It's okay to still, you know, to let someone go and to release them or to have them release me and to still be able to hold on to the really amazing memories and the things that we've created together and to still have joy spark from those, from those things, but not have to feel bad about not taking those relationships forward anymore, whether it was my choice or whether it was their choice. Of course, um, I'm not a robot and it was hurtful at the time. And I did feel some anger at the time too, certainly when I was in the thick of treatment. But very quickly and absolutely now, I realize that I can prioritize the friendships and the relationships that are meaningful me in this moment, meaningful to me in this moment, and release the others. I can still look back and feel great and feel very grateful for the relationships I had, but know that I don't have to hold on and hoard absolutely everything. Um, and so that was definitely something I've, I've reprioritized my time absolutely since, whether it's the people I'm spending time with or just the things I'm spending time with doing, trying to do, trying to have, thinking about even the brain space, <laughs> if that makes sense. And um, just knowing, you know, when, what's, what's really important is a big, big wake up call, as you can imagine, when you're faced with this um, life or death experience. And it was a big wake up call of why have I been spending so much time and energy and attention on these things, they, they're just no longer important right now. And even now, six or seven years on, I still feel that way. I still can make a very quick decision now as to what's worth my time and effort and energy. And I think that that's, um, it's a skill, but it's also a habit. You know, you, you really get into the habit, or I certainly have gotten into the habit of knowing very quickly what's worth my energy and what isn't. Um, and it just frees up so much time and space to really worship the relationships I do have to give everything to the people and to the things that are really meaningful to be, to be able to give more time to them, to have more open space for creativity and fun and enjoyment too. So 
all in all, while it was very difficult in the beginning when those things were happening, the benefits afterwards of being able to reestablish and reprioritize have just been so powerful and so wonderful and something that I hope to absolutely take into the future with me for many years to come too. Wow, I am loving this conversation and connection that I'm having with Mim right now. And if you are loving it just as much as me, I'm going to encourage you to head on over to pauseontheplay.com. Over at pauseontheplay.com, it'll allow you to be able to make a financial contribution. You'll see a button that says contribute. And your contribution allows you to support change, break barriers, and vote with your dollars through a financial contribution to the Flaunt Your Fire podcast, as well as the Pause in the Play podcast. Your contribution contributes to podcast production expenses, show notes and article writing expenses, which are all necessary to continue to provide this free resource of the Flaunt Your Fire podcast to so many people who are seeking to create action and create a more equitable and inclusive future through brand visibility. So head on over to pauseandplay.com and make your contribution today. Whether it's $5 or $50, every bit is appreciated. Thank you. One of the things that comes up for me is realizing that, you know, you mentioned being aware of like what's worth your energy and what wasn't and how that was so important for you and how, you know, this medical crisis kind of helped you to redefine that um, and to kind of re- integrate what that is for you going forward. And, you know, having navigated a medical crisis in 2014 myself, I think back and I just wonder if there are other people taking in our conversation here today that want to be of support of someone navigating a crisis, want to be in support of someone who Maybe it's not them, but it's their parents or another family member or a child that is navigating some type of crisis, be it medical or something else in their life, and they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say, and yet they also don't want to make the mistake of saying nothing because that can be very harmful to the relationship. When I think back to that time period in my life, one of the most profound things that happened that has stayed with me since is that rather than, you know, react or respond to what I shared about what was happening in my life or to put own thoughts, opinions, and emotions on me or ask me a ton of questions about what I was exploring, experiencing, and navigating um, going forward from my medical crisis, Erica Corday in 2014 actually made a statement. And what she said was tell me what you need. And no one had ever asked me that before. Um, it's such a, such a simple statement, but also so profound. And in that moment when she asked me, I honestly didn't know. Um, I was highly drugged and medicated in the hospital still. Um, and I was still in this liminal space of having quite processed what has happened in my life just yet. And what that meant for me going forward. Um, But even being able to say back, I don't know, and not have any of the extra things that can come with 
you know, people's opinions and things like that, or doing things for you that you didn't ask for was so helpful for me and allowed me to take the space to ask myself, what did I need? And then be able to come back and relay that back to Erica. So Erica, if you're listening to this episode, thank you so much for the way that you showed up as a friend during that time and continue to do today. Um, My question for you, Mem, is, you know, as you take that in, as you witness that, were you aware of what sparked joy for you during that time? What was going to allow you to continue to feel joy as you navigated something so challenging? Um, And what was that if you were aware? And if you were not aware fully, you know, in the beginning phases or the thick of it, so to speak, of that experience, of what would have provided more joy in your life? What would you say to someone who is wanting to support someone who is navigating a crisis? What do you feel like they need to know or that you wish some of the people that maybe you've encountered knew about being on the other side of that so that they can approach this from a place of being an ally to that person in a medical crisis? So there's a couple of things that uh, that really stood out to me from what you said then. First of all, the support that you received from Erica, like my goodness, for, for two reasons. One, because she actually cared about what you needed rather than, as you say, um, amazing well wishes who, you know, the people who send flowers or don't do anything at all. Um, some, that really isn't what a lot of people who are navigating a medical crisis need, as, as, as great as you know their intentions are. But the fact that Erica... Um, wanted to know what you needed and also it gave you that pause to be able to really think about that what do I need right now you know um when you're kind of knee deep um in in that kind of a situation you're you're only really addressing the need potentially of what the medical crisis that you're going through is telling you like when I when I was diagnosed with breast cancer all I was thinking of well I need to survive I need to do these appointments I need to um I need to do this operation I need to see these people but actually what went beyond that was I needed space. I needed um, support. I needed to know that friends, even friends who didn't know what to say were still there for me if I just needed somebody to sit with me or to listen with me or to to do nothing but just being, you know, just knowing that they were there for me. Um, and I also think as well, as I'm sure Erica would have done for you, um, it isn't just making that first ask of what do you need. It's, you know, being a good ally to someone who is navigate, navigating a medical crisis. It's showing up more than once it's you know not being in their face respecting their wishes if they ask if they tell you they don't need anything but then after a certain amount of time whether it's days or a couple of weeks checking in again how are you today I always used to add the word today at the end how do you feel today how are you today what do you need today especially because um in my position I was looking at a a bleak future at one point and I found it very difficult to to plan so much for the future but I could think about what my next step was today. So to know that I had allies supporting me and, and being happy to share the journey with me, even just for one day, I found really, really helpful. So that's definitely a piece of advice I would give to anyone who wants to support others. Um, reach out just in the same beautiful way that Erica did and continue to reach out to, um, because I find, and I've, I've been having a conversation with a few people recently. So um, very sadly, my brother-in-law passed away um, a month ago and um I had a conversation with a friend who said you know the funeral was coming up at that point and she called it the second I think she called it the second stage where um after the funeral people go back to their own lives and of course 
me and my family are still stuck in grief. And it's the same when I was diagnosed with cancer. After my treatment finished, I was given the all clear. My hair started to grow back. I started to look a little bit more like my um, normal, quote unquote, normal self. Um, and so for a lot of people, that was that was them to breathe a sigh of relief that they were delighted that things were, were well and they could move on. Um, but of course, I didn't move on and I was, I was stuck in, in grief even at that stage. And I, I did actually go into PTSD a couple of years later. So that would be the biggest advice I could give. And the, in terms of what sparked joy for me, it was honestly realizing that I had so much more support and so many more allies than I even thought I did. So that was a huge um, delight to me at that stage to really realize that I wasn't alone. Even people who I didn't think I was particularly close to were such a wonderful support to me. And at the same time, getting creative. So starting a new creative hobby at the time, which has now turned into a really successful business and being around people who were also creative for, for very similar reasons and also very differing ones. I think that having a space for creativity is just so much so joy sparking it's something that I, I, I would love everyone to dive into and and as I say it's something that now I get to do every single day and help other people too as well. Mem you are such a beautiful spirit and I'm witnessing you I'm witnessing how much you have experienced and continue to experience and navigate and evolve and still be here and be present and be visible today. I know for me, creativity has been not just a passion. Art and design has not just been a passion of mine or an outlet of mine, but it has helped me navigate some challenging things. It has helped me process feelings and emotions and so much more. And you mentioned that you have a business today that allows you to be creative and to support others with being accountable for being creative themselves. And so I want to invite you to share more with us about what is that business and how can we participate in it? I relate so much to um, the way you were describing creativity then too. I, I think like many people, I'd always considered myself a creative person, especially when I go back to who I was when I was at school and when I was younger and the things I enjoyed then, um, I guess before. I was told along the way that those things were not the way an adult should live their life, you know. Um, but thank you for inviting me to share about my business. And it, it blows people's minds in the funniest way, in the funniest way when I tell them how, um, how I've grown an audience and, and you know, made in, an income in my business because and I wish that everyone could see what I'm about to hold up. But I actually teach people all about stickers, stickers, stickers for their planners. So there's a huge community that I didn't realize until I was going through chemo myself and, and looking to do something new. There's a huge community of people all around the world who not only want to use a paper planner to organize their life or journal or um, use it as a way to really be creative just through the process of planning, but there's also a huge community within that one of people who love to either make or use or sell stickers for people to decorate or organize their planner. But this is something I always say to, to the people who, who I um, have in my community. It isn't about the stickers themselves. So when it comes to anything creative, it generally isn't about the craft itself or the creative or the art it's itself, or certainly not just alone. It's about the state of mind that that brings. It's about how it makes me feel. 
when it comes to even just using stickers or designing them or talking to them even now or um, sharing them with others when I when I sell the ones that I've created it's how the stickers make me and how they make us feel that sense of fulfillment and um, joy and understanding from others and pride that we've been able to create something that others are enjoying and, and, and it's changing their life too in so many ways it just goes so beyond um, a small sticker that we stick on a page and in a planner we generally write all over anyway <laughs> um, it, it, it's the whole it's the whole the whole state of mind that it brings to us and I um really love too that this can be a, a creative activity that we can do by ourselves um in a silo of course when it whether it comes to having a creative project that is just yours as a hobby or like me one that you've changed into a business but also the connection and the community that has brought to me with people who are so similar to me in so many ways yet so diverse in so many ways too and yet we all share this combined passion of creativity even though the state of mind it brings to each of us can be very different too and it just unlocked this passion inside me and the the community of other people who are so similar that I, I didn't know existed. I literally didn't know existed. I didn't know that um, others would share the passion. I didn't know that the business would be successful. Now I'm at the point where seven years on, I've taught over 5,000 people all over the world to create their own stickers for their planners too, whether it's for themselves. Many of them have also gone on to open up um, sticker shops on Etsy or their own sites. And now they're um, also bringing in an income for their families too. It, it blows my mind that I get to play with stickers in some way every single day. And seven years on, this is something that still fills me with just as much joy as it did that very first time I created my first perfect sticker. Um, and so, yeah, so I've got my own business. It's called Paper Planner Club because, as mentioned before, I'm all about the world of paper planning. Um, and anyone can find me at Paper Planner Club on Instagram. My website is mimjenkinson.com. And I also have the Planner Podcast as well, which is um, another, it's just another excuse for me to talk about planning and stickers all the time, honestly. <laughs> but we talk about um, a lot more beyond that too. As you've probably noticed by now, I'm quite comfortable with sharing all aspects of my life. And I really enjoy speaking to others just like you who do that too. So um, thank you so much for giving me that opportunity to share the joy of stickers with everyone else in the world. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful episode. And when I think about so much that has come up here, especially when people initially think about the Kamari method, often we associate that if we're familiar with it, with the question of does this spark joy? And that's such a powerful question to ask. And there's a lot of things underneath that. And some may agree with that question being the baseline and others may completely think that it has problems with it. But what often gets left behind is what Mim and I actually equally appreciate. And that's noting that the Kamari method asks us that when we discard our items to pause for a moment and acknowledge how has that item benefited you? What memories does that item have? While Kamari is typically discussed when it's coming to physical items, our clothes, our sentimental things, our CDs, you know, people still have compact discs and 
DVDs and VHS tapes and all the things. I think that this piece is important when we think about relationships, when we think about what service offerings we have in our business, what brand partnership deals we may have. So often we can just move from one thing to the next without taking that pause and asking yourself, what about it benefited you in the past? What precious memories are here because of this partnership or because of this item or because of this relationship or this person? And then there's the opportunity to move from that to a place of gratitude, no matter why the relationship or the service or the contract has ended, to thank it. Thank it for the lessons learned. Thank it for the experiences that you've had. Thank it for the memories it's created and the way that it's helped you evolve. And then release it. So Mem talks about this process as well as tangible questions to ask yourself when you're trying to apply the Kamari method to people in your life over at her blog. And we're going to link to the exact article page and the show notes article. So make sure you go ahead and head on over to there to get the links that you need for that. Um, you can also learn more about Mem at lovefrommem.com. And Mem is just such a friendly and beautiful and approachable person. So I know that Mem will enjoy connecting with you on social media as well. And you'll find the link for Mem's social media in the episode description and show notes. In addition to um, being able to find Mem over at Love from Mem on Instagram. You know, one of the things that Mem also talks about here is her cancer diagnosis. I mean, that's such a, a major thing to experience. And so if you want to dig more into what to say to someone who has cancer, Mem has an article about that on her blog as well. And I highly appreciate that despite being in a place of being back and forth about, do I write this post or not? You know, um, is it going to offend people or not by putting this out in the world? Um, I'm so grateful that Mem created an additional blog post on eight things not to say to someone with cancer. Now, I'm going to acknowledge that as you're listening to me speak about this or as you're reading the article that goes with this episode, um, you may not know anyone with cancer. And yet, I still find that there are such valuable points that Mem hits on in each of these articles that, dare I say, go beyond someone with cancer, but someone navigating a medical crisis, period, whether that is physical, whether that is recently experienced trauma or a mental health crisis. I think that you may find a creative way to have an open mind and have these articles navigate you through some of these things with people having other types of crisis as well. So make sure you head on over to the episode article and there you will find links to all of these resources because, you know, life happens. And as much as I wish I could wave a magical wand and no one that we knew or loved got sick again or navigated challenging things, um, it does benefit all of us to have some tools 
and some context to be able to be a better ally to them when they do. Thank you for taking the time to take in this episode. I so appreciate you for being here. And I can't wait to chat with you on the next one. The Font Your Fire podcast is brought to you by the wonderful brand I co-founded with Erica Corday. Pause on the play. You can learn more about Pause on the Play's community, workshops, and implicit to explicit masterclass at pauseontheplay.com. That's pauseontheplay.com. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?